Welcome to our first Ned Group Investments quarterly briefing, where we select some of the interesting takeouts from our recent Insight webinars with our local best of breed managers. To hear the full fund manager report backs, or for more information on our funds, visit nedgroupinvestments.coza and click on to learn more about our product range. In this episode, we investigate the top investment concerns for 2021, the potential for further Saab intervention in South African bond markets, the threat to British American Tobacco's 8% dividend yield, and we look at the outlook for office real estate and PGM stocks in local markets. We also talk about using ETFs as a South African investor to take advantage of global equity market opportunities. And we look at the ramifications of a South African government bond default and what that means for investors' capital. First up, we ask Dave Ford what country-specific or market-related risks investors should be keeping their eyes on in 2021. I don't think that the China-US thing was just a Trump thing. I think that'll continue in different ways, and China's definitely becoming more emboldened in different ways. So that's something to be concerned about. But the bigger thing is inflation. And inflation hasn't come through yet, and it may still come through. But you've got a Democratic president coming through, and he's putting in the old guard. So your inner circle of socialist Democrats in the establishment are, are there. So Janet Yellen in Treasury is something you need to watch because she's very left and she's going to go and make Robert Rubin and Larry Summers look like Nazis. So expect her to come out and encourage the politicians who don't need any encouragements to spend and worry about paying the money back later. That's a big, big concern for me, what that trend is going to do. And initially, that's going to be good for the markets, but later it's going to be bad. So it's a wild ride that we may be heading on because of the likes of Janet Yellen. South Africa's debt levels have increased dramatically over 2020. As a result, we've seen an almost doubling of bond issuance. Who will buy these bonds and will the Saab intervene like other central banks have done around the world? We asked Rashad Tayyab to answer. At the moment, we're at this a phenomenal run rate of 450 billion rand per annum of bond issuance. And it's difficult to see how the market can t- continue to absorb this issuance. So yes, pension funds have increased their exposure. Unit trusts like the ones we manage have looked at these 9% yields and said, okay, we need to have some exposure there. So, so across the spectrum, you've have this increased amount of take up of these bonds. The Saab has chipped in by buying bonds as well. But it's beginning to crowd out the investment industry in South Africa because 450, 500 billion rand per annum is a phenomenal amount. It's very difficult for the local savings industry to continue to absorb that amount of bond exposure. So the question is, who's going to buy these? And the answer in the rest of the world is that the central banks of the world have basically bought up the bond. The bond. So 
In South Africa, that's not the case to date. We had the Saab, you know, they had about 8 billion rands uh, of, of SAGBs, South African government bonds on their balance sheet. And through the crisis of April, May, June, they brought that up, you know, close to the 40 billion level. And then since that, the, the volatility and the crisis abated, they've not added to that. So they've allowed the market to determine the fair value of the bond yields. And that's why we've got a very steep yield curve. And we've got, you know, a 10 year yields at 9% and 20 year yields close closer to the 10.5% level. So, and the back end of the curve, the 30-year yield closer to the 11% level. So we've got one of the steepest curves out there. And the question is, you know, how sustainable is this? Is it sustainable for the government to be funding at yields of 9 to 10% when you've got an 80% debt to GDP ratio? The numbers just don't add up. So we either, we've got two options. Either we have some fiscal restraint where the treasury delivers credible budgets and much lower budget deficits or the Saab is going to be forced to bring those bond yields down through intervention but if they do that you're going to see the rand a lot weaker british american tobacco is trading at an eight percent dividend yield in british pounds this seems too good to be true in the current low rate environment Omri Thomas provides his thoughts on what might be the threats to this yield. So that's a, that's a good question and one we've been grappling with as well. So there are concerns about the regulatory environment and there's always concerns about the regulatory environment with tobacco. So that's the first thing, but that's not something new. That's been there for the last 20 years. The second thing is, excuse the pun, tobacco is a dying industry. So <laughs> volumes, are, <laughs> volumes are decreasing on a, on a yearly basis. But again, that's not something new for British American tobacco. They've continued to be able to, through a change in the mix, through cost optimization and through growth initiatives, especially the drive brands, manage to keep growing the, the top line, increasing margins, giving you sort of high single digit earnings growth. And I think the third reason or the third concern the market's got is with the acquisitions that they've made over the last couple of years, their debt ratios are, are quite high. But as I said, it's a very cash generative business. So the de-gearing will happen very quickly and, and then we'll see share buybacks resume. So all in all, it's one has to play the long game with British American tobacco. But as a patient investor to bank almost an 8% yield in pounds, we think that you're getting paid to be, to be patient. Real estate has been one of the hardest hit sectors during the pandemic. Office property has come at a particular strain as companies have been forced to let employees work from home. We caught up with Ian Anderson to discuss the long-term outlook for office space rentals in South Africa as we emerge from this crisis. There's no doubt that we will see further vacancies, further reductions in the need for office space. You know, that will be countered by the landlords who say, well, you know, yes, there might be fewer people at work, but they're going to demand to work in much bigger spaces. And therefore, companies will continue to demand the same amount of space, even though there might be fewer employees in, in the building. However, I don't think that the companies will then be prepared to pay the rents that they pay. So I think we might not see a massive increase in vacancies, but I do think that market rentals will come under pressure over the next two to three years. And it's one of the reasons why in the Ned Group Investments Property Fund, we continue to have very limited exposure to private private sector office, favouring instead the office sector. 
At the start of 2021, we've seen PGM stocks run again, between 18 and 20%. We asked Steve Minar if he expects further price appreciation in these stocks and whether the rare metal rhodium is responsible for driving the recent price increases. So rhodium is about a third of the earnings base at the moment. It's only 10% of what actually gets mined. So there's obviously a bit of a disconnect there. But you have to look at the basket and typically when you dig out the ground, you get rhodium, platinum, palladium, and then a whole bunch of other stuff that's, that's, that's maybe less relevant here. But, but those all go hand in hand and, and the end user then decide, well, if the rhodium price is too high, then we substitute some of the rhodium for something else. Obviously in some products you can substitute, others you cannot substitute, but there's a bit of a movement around that. So we're not simply hanging our hat on the rhodium price or just the platinum price or just the palladium price. But if we look at this whole conversion to electric vehicles, it is happening a lot faster and a lot, it's a lot more significant than what we would have thought. The world of electric vehicles is not just Tesla. But then platinum and palladium is not just a electric vehicle thing. It is also additional vehicles saying, well, we now have to, you know, just get our fuel efficiency much better so we compete with these, with these new standards. It's, there's a global move towards ESG standards, more environmental friendly standards and protocols. And for that, you need a lot of these, a lot of these products. So we think the demand will continue. There's not an excess supply of these products around the world. As a matter of fact, it's a finely balanced. In many cases, there's a, there's a bit of a, a shortage of these materials as well. And the recycling hasn't provided enough up to date. So we believe that our mines are still in a very good position. At the moment, they're sitting at close to 25% cash flow yield. So they're making significant money. You might have seen some reports that say, yes, their cash cost per unit has gone up a lot, but it's a cash cost per unit. And they've obviously taken out fewer units last year because of restrictions of COVID and so forth. But on an overall cost basis and a profitability basis and on a dividend yield basis, and if you look at the strength of the balance sheets, these companies are looking very, very healthy and very, very profitable at the moment. And we think it's something that you continue to hold in the portfolio. But as you rightly say, it's something if you need to watch with a keen eye. You don't want to get married to these stocks. It is a cyclical industry in the long run. We spoke to Ian Power about using ETFs to gain exposure to global themes in portfolio construction. Ian takes us through how he uses ETFs as a global component in his portfolios. One also gets the benefit of using low-cost ETFs to access sectors and, I guess, countries where one feels that the prospects are starting to improve. And if one just looks at the discount that generally emerging markets are trading at relative to many of the developed markets and a lot of these sexy growth shares and tech shares, those discounts are extreme to say the least. So the forward multiple of the EMI shares value ETF that we hold is around about 11 and a half times. That would compare to the forward multiple of MSCI world growth of 31 times. Now we're going into an economic global recovery cycle on the back of the vaccine. And we're gonna see quite a powerful recovery for many of the value shares and the economically sensitive shares. And the ETF gives you a nice easy way to get big exposures to many of those Asian countries where almost 80% of that ETF is exposed to Asia and you're getting exposures to good businesses, you know, Samsung, many of the semiconductors, some auto manufacturers, as well as you know some selective high quality financials with the likes of a ping on insurance which we also hold in the portfolio so i think we are expecting as long bond rates slowly rise towards the back end of this year and into next year from a u.s point of view as that discount rate rises we think that those growth shares which are going to be the most impacted by rising long yields should not do as well as many of the EM shares which are cheap and those shares which have bigger exposure 
to the underlying global economic cycle. And that's really the reason for using the ETFs as well as choosing some you know, attractively priced stocks in those same geographies. There is no hiding from South Africa's deteriorating fiscal position and growing speculation that as the trajectory of our debt-to-GDP ratio continues to trend above 100%, South Africa's ability to maintain its debt obligations becomes increasingly difficult. We asked Nick Balkan to discuss what a default means for South African investors in South African government bonds. Just to explain how it works on a government bond, you will not default on a government bond if it's in the currency that it's issued in. So what that effectively means, a lot of the defaults, when you look at Argentina and you look at the the big marquee defaults, it's usually what happened is you have a currency and that's, I guess, overstated or, you know, it's going to depreciate significantly and you issue a lot of bonds in a hard currency like dollars. And then what happens is you can't print enough of your local currency to pay back the dollar owner. So why that's important is a lot of our bonds have been printed in local currency. The risk there is not whether we get our money back. The risk is rather the the risk that inflation gets out of control as the SA government have to print to give your money back in local currency. I think the important thing now is two things. Firstly, the position size remains focused on the short to mid duration bonds. We have options on the longer duration bonds through to December, which look like they might finish out of the money, but that was one way we did it. We have a small allocation in my mind, given the risk to those bonds that you alluded to. But the important thing there is position size, make sure that they're not significant as a percentage. We will get our capital back. The biggest risk is inflation and the inflation rate over the next few years is going to be very low. We've seen that the medical aids are not passing through an increase for six months. My kids' school have a 0% or 2% increase in school fees. You know, there's going to be, you know, a very stable inflation environment because demand is under so much pressure. We're watching the tea leaves and we can react quite quickly and sell our small holding in the higher duration bonds if need within, I guess, an hour. So it's not something that we're too worried about. But the key there is to keep the position size small, The risk is actually inflation that we're worried about and we're watching the tea leaves to see if that really gets out of control. For now, they're very much in control. The yield on cash is horrible. And I think even with a big blowout in some of those longer bonds, they still will outperform cash. And I could do the scenario analysis to prove how big it is, but substantial blowout in those bonds before cash outperforms those longer duration bonds. You can read and listen more about all the quarterly feedbacks at netgroupinvestments.coza or through our podcast channels on all major platforms. This has been your Ned Group Investments quarterly briefing. Make sure you check back at the end of April for our next edition.